Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So how can we make this case? Well, one way we can do it is to point out to people that there's no essential difference between the embryos you once were and the adults you are today that would justify killing you at that earlier stage. Arguments cannot be religious or non-religious. Arguments can either be valid or invalid, or sound or unsound. The substance view is the idea that from when you come into existence of fertilization until you die naturally, you are the same individual at every point in your life. So if it is wrong to kill you now, it was wrong to kill you then. How can you have conversations with pro-choice people productively? Welcome to Pro-Life Thinking, a podcast that trains you how to defend the pro-life position effectively and persuasively. I'm your host, Clinton Wilcox, and I'm joined by my co-host, Nathan Apodaca. How are you doing today, Nathan? Pretty good. A little bit colder than it was last week. That's good. Always expect it to be colder during winter, even in the Central Valley where it can reach triple degree heat. Uh, we always look forward to these these cooler winter days. We're finally getting our Southern California winter. Okay, well, uh, we do have a guest coming on. Uh, she is not here at the moment, but as soon as she pops in, I'll send her to our video. Before we have that discussion, just a few points of note here. This is going to be our last podcast episode of the year, so we'll be taking a break for a few weeks. You know, we have we have Christmas coming up, and then you know, so we're, we're basically taking a, a break for for the Christmas season and for the rest of Advent, and you know, if you happen to follow the the church calendar. But yeah, so we'll be taking a break for a few weeks and then we're going to resume in January where we will bring back the podcast and continue extracting the audio from the videos to put them on the audio only podcast. But even though the podcast is going to be taking a break for a few weeks, uh, there are other things, other videos I'd like to create for the Pro-Life Thinking YouTube channel. So uh, even though our discussions here will will cease for, for a few weeks, there should hopefully still be some activity going on. Now, I did recently start up a Patreon where if you are able and you would like to help financially support the podcast, you can go find us on Patreon. I provided a link down below in the uh, informational section of the YouTube video. You can still donate to the podcast through Life Training Institute if you would like. The benefit of doing that is that your donations will be tax deductible. But if you'd like some perks that go along with your donation, you can go find us on Patreon. You can find some great perks like having one-on-one training with me uh, where I can uh, role-play a discussion with you where I could be a pro-choice person and you can, you can practice talking to pro-choice people in a safe environment to get some practice doing that. Or if you're working on something pro-life related uh, or even not pro-life related, I can still look it over, give you my thoughts. We can talk about it. Anything you'd like to talk about. Uh, on top of that, uh, I am planning to create some more video content for this channel. And one of the perks also is that you can have early access to some of the projects I'm working on, which could be a book manuscript I'm trying to get finished here pretty soon, but also some of the new videos that, I, that I'm going to be working on for the YouTube channel. One type of video is going to be that I'm working on, I'm going to start working on some training videos. Now those are going to be separate from the videos we do here and they're going to be exclusive to the YouTube channel for Pro-Life Thinking. I'm planning to make them a lot shorter. You know, our discussions here where we do basically a video broadcast of the podcast, you know, these discussions can take anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes all the way up to an hour or even longer. These training videos, I want to make a lot shorter, five to 10, maybe 15 minutes at the most, and just, just covering one topic where it can be something related to the pro-life field, talking about some some of the pro-life arguments and how to defend them, maybe talking about some pro-choice arguments, even arguments from the academic literature, uh, talking about logic, how to construct 
uh, a syllogism and recognizing errors in logic, things like that. So I, I do want to start creating some training videos here for the YouTube channel. And if you become a Patreon supporter, one of the perks is you can actually get early access to some of these training videos. So those are uh, basically the announcements that I have to talk about. Uh, I see Rebecca has uh, joined us, so I'm going to bring her in to the discussion here. Hello, Rebecca. Hi, Clinton. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Good. Hi, Nathan. Welcome aboard. Thank you. Okay, so our guest for this morning is Rebecca Dyer. In just the past four years, Rebecca has logged over 400 conversations with people on all sides of the abortion debate on 17 college campuses in the United States. Rebecca volunteered at, at JFA outreach events in 2019, and she served as an intern in the spring of 2020. In August of 2020, she joined the JFA staff as speaker and programs assistant, where she trains people how to have productive and civil dialogues about abortion. She holds a bachelor's degree in paralegal studies from Liberty University. She also attended Palomar College and served as president of the Students for Life Club and as a contributing writer for Human Defense Initiative and Merely Human Ministries. Rebecca, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have this discussion with you. This episode will have the, the audio extracted and will make its way onto our audio-only podcast. But if you're watching the broadcast live and we'll be engaging in the live chat, I'll post relevant comments up on the video for all to see. And if you have any questions for Rebecca, I'll post those as well and we'll ask those of her. You actually happen to be our second guest from JFA. We had Steve Wagner uh, on as an yeah. interview. Uh, and you're actually the third person from JFA, if you count myself, uh, because I uh, am a certified speaker and mentor through Justice for All as well. It's always you know, a pleasant gift to have a fellow JFA speaker and, and advocate here yeah. uh, on the podcast. That's cool. So yeah, so basically the topics for discussion we have is we'll talk a little bit about Justice for All, the, the organization that Rebecca's with, and we'll talk about how to have discussions with pro-choice people. So Nathan uh, has put together the interview, uh, got in contact with Rebecca, set it up. So I'm going to go ahead and give Nathan the floor and let him take the lead on the interview here. All right. Well, Rebecca, the first question we ask every guest that we bring on is, why are you pro-life? Okay, so I grew up in a really strong Christian home, so <clears throat> I always thought that abortion was wrong. Um, my parents always taught me to um, respect human life, and so I can't ever remember a time when I thought that abortion was okay, um, but I started getting interested in the issue for myself when I was um, in high school. And I remember I saw live actions, undercover videos that came out. And it was also around that time when I first saw um, graphic images of what abortion actually looked like. And prior to that, like I, I had this vague idea that abortion was wrong and that it did kill a human being. But um, when I saw the pictures, it just put that in a whole new light. And then combining that with seeing the undercover videos, I just, that was the first time when I felt like I wanted to do something in the pro-life movement. Now, I did not know um, what to do and what that would look like for me, but that was when I first got interested in the issue. And then a little while after that, I ended up going to this conference where I got to meet Scott Klusendorf, and I got to hear him lecture um, quite a bit on pro-life apolog apologetics, and I got his book, The Case for Life, and I remember like combining hearing him lecture and then reading The Case for Life. I felt like I was capable of having a conversation about abortion. Now, I still didn't know like how you actually start that conversation, but the, I just kept getting this increased passion. Like, I want to talk to people about this. I want to be involved. And so a little while after that, um, I went to Palomar College, and I remember wanting to be involved with a pro-life club. So I remember looking up online to see if there was a club at my school 
And um, at the time, there was no pro-life club. So I remember just being really bummed out about that. And I kind of just closed the tab and I didn't do anything about it. And Because at that point in my life, I would not have taken the initiative to start a pro-life club. And thankfully, though, a little while after that, Nathan, you started the club at Palomar. And I got connected with Nathan through a professor uh, that I had in my first semester at Palomar. So he connected us and we started emailing back and forth and he asked me to be the vice president of the club. So I ended up um, agreeing to that. And then in the fall, I was um, the president of the Students for Life Club at Palomar. And, and this was all in 2016. So for that year, I just, I started to have a lot of um, experience and opportunities to talk with people who were pro-choice and who did not agree with me on the abortion issue. And I fell in love with just the college campus outreaches, and I wanted to continue to do that. So that's kind of the overall view of how I became pro-life and how I initially got involved in pro-life work. Yeah, Scott has a unique way of motivating people to go out and get some work done. He yeah. does, yeah. And actually, that's, I have pretty much the same story. I met Scott at a conference, and I read his book and started getting confident enough to talk about it. And that's where eventually the idea for the club at Alamar College came from. And actually, for a while, you and I were the club. Great, uh, pretty much, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm really grateful, though, because like I feel like because I read that book, that was why I felt somewhat capable of even yeah. being a part of that club was because I had read that book. So now was uh, was Palomar College, Nathan, the college that you sued for the free speech issue, or was that a different college? No, that was Cal State San Marcos, uh, which okay. was actually pretty much just right across the street from Palomar College. Mm-hmm. Rebecca, just real quick, because you're you're working for JFA now, correct? Correct, yeah. So does that mean that you moved to Wichita to be there, or are you working remotely for JFA? Yeah, I work remotely from uh, San Diego County, so I get to work a lot from home. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, how did you get involved with JFA? Okay, so continuing the the story, after I um, was the president in the fall of 2016 at Palomar, I transferred to Liberty Online. So I didn't have a college campus to actually like do outreach on because it was all on the computer. But I still like wanted to keep talking to people about this issue. So I started to just volunteer with different pro-life clubs and groups that were doing outreaches on college campuses. And at some point, in this timeline, um, I, I think, Nathan, you gave me Trent Horn's book, Persuasive Pro-Life. So I remember reading that book, and at the beginning of each chapter, he talks about these outreaches at Justice for All. And when I read that, I remember thinking, like, this is such a cool group. Like, I want to do something with them. So... I looked them up online and I filled out a form saying that I was like interested in an in internship. Now, I had no idea what that meant at the time, um, <laughs> but John Wagner um, ended up getting in touch with me and um, we just had a lot of conversations over a period of, I think like a year, a year and a half when you know, I wanted to be involved with them. I wanted to do outreaches, but I just couldn't for a while because of school and work. Um, but finally, 2019 came and I had a job where I could set my own schedule and it was my last year of college. So I was able to volunteer with them um, and go on five different trips in the spring and the fall. And I just fell in love with, like, everything about them. I loved the way that they did outreach. Um, I just, I fell in love with the team. And 
I also loved the way um, that they taught people how to talk about this issue. So I remember um, after having that year of, um, of being a volunteer, I wanted to keep going. So in the spring of 2020, they offered me an internship. So I took that. I got to intern with them um, earlier in the year. And then in August um, of this year, they hired me as a training specialist. So that's how I got involved with Justice for All. Trent's book is is another book that we love here at the Pro Life Thinking Podcast, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, the, what I what I tell people is that uh, Trent's book, Persuasive Pro Life, is basically the JFA seminar in print form. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty much my yeah. main takeaway after reading Trent's book was that yeah, this this was heavily inspired by by a lot of what the JFA does, and they talk about the different mm-hmm. types of people you might encounter. And so, if any of our listeners have have read that book, then you'll know somewhat of what to expect if you go out to a to a JFA training seminar and outreach. Yeah, I wanted to add, Clinton. Actually, now that I think about it, you did play somewhat of a role in Rebecca joining JFA because when I got that book, that was when you and I went on the trip to UCLA back mm-hmm. in 2017. Yeah, because I remember the following weekend, Rebecca, we had the conversation about it, and that's when I gave you the information, and you went ahead and contacted them. So, Clinton, you were a part of that process as well. <laughs> right on. Yeah, I think you also, Nathan. I remember you handing me the interactive guide too. So yeah, you brought I remember that. So I had this JFA interactive guide that I didn't really do anything with it. I'm ashamed to say I had it, but I hadn't gone through the actual training seminar. But yeah, that was the first step of me, you know, getting in contact with Justice for All. Well, better late than ever, so. Right. (laughs) I actually got that interactive guide from Steve. He handed me about 20 or 30 copies of it and said, give these out to your group. I'm like, I don't have 20 or 30 people in my group, but okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, cool. moving on, you said you're a training specialist now. What does your current job with JFA entail? What do you do with them now? Yeah, so I'm, I'm a training specialist or a speaker. So I train people how to have good conversations about abortion. So I teach with the, uh, I, I teach at the JFA training seminars. Um, a lot of that has been online now because of COVID. So I've been doing a lot of um, talking on Zoom and just helping people have good conversations. And then I also um, have a lot of my own converse, um, conversations with people who are pro-choice and I do outreaches with them. So I travel um, and go to different college campuses and help with the outreaches and then um, I've also been helping with their Instagram account. So we recently um, ramped up our presence on Instagram, which has been helpful because so many people are on that. So it's a really good, good way to um, advertise for our training and just connect with more uh, pro-life people and even get into online conversations with people who are pro-choice. Um, right. So that's, yeah, that's the main things that I do at Justice for All right now. And one of the great things about JFA's training seminars is they don't just teach you the material. It's, hey, here's our material, have fun, go out and have conversations. They actually try to get people to master the material. They say, hey, we'll practice this conversation in a safe environment. And that way you can make your mistakes in training. So that way you'll feel more confident when you actually go out to talk with people on campus or just in your immediate circle of friends and family. Absolutely, yeah. So in the training, we do, yeah. We 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 have like um we have a section where we will like just lecture, and then right after that, we have this interactive part where we, yeah, like you said, we're actually um, practicing having a conversation, and one person will play the pro-life um, side and then someone else will play the pro-choice side and you do get that practice. And then after that, then we encourage you to go out and have your own conversations about this issue. So yeah, that's, I love that about the training as well. Right. Yeah. And when you go out to a college campus for outreach, you don't just kind of uh, kick the trainees to the wolves, but you actually have them team up with the, um, 
right. JFA members to kind of watch them have the conversations and to kind of ease you into it so that you're not, you know, just kind of floundering, but you actually get a chance to work up to it by having someone there who can bail you out if, uh, if you start getting into the trouble as well. So that, that makes it yeah. very helpful as well. Right. Yes, I yeah. Well, speaking of which, JFA promotes essentially a way to have a different kind of conversation about abortion. What does that look like? Yes. So we teach people to have conversations about this issue that are based in what we call the three essential skills, which are listening to understand, asking questions with an open heart, and finding common ground whenever it's possible. And I think a lot of people have had um, negative experiences talking about this issue because um, I think so many times um, the pro-choice person will just solely focus on the, the, the woman. And then we have the pro-life person that's usually focused on the unborn. And so you have like these two like separate monologues where we're just talking past each other and we're not really hearing anything that the other person is is um, is trying to communicate. So Justice for All teaches you like how to kind of pull those things together where you really do care for um, the person that you're talking to, the woman and the unborn child. We call it loving all three. And I think that it's the best, like the best way to love all three is to ask a lot of questions and really listen to what the other person is saying and finding that common ground so that you can really understand where the person is coming from. Because if you challenge someone too quickly, I think it feels like a fight to the other person. And I don't think people feel safe or comfortable when they feel like they're in a fight with, with someone, especially about just a really challenging issue. So we teach you to like ask a lot of questions, just listen to understand and find that common ground whenever you can. And that's going to really create a, um, a safe environment and a more comfortable environment for the person that you're talking to. Now you mentioned loving all three. That, that's actually mm -hmm. what my next question was about because I, I received an email from Steve Wagner at, G at JFA talking about a new program. I don't know if it's a new program. It might be an old program and I just might be out of the loop there, uh, but a program called Love Three. And there, yeah. he mentioned an interactive training, which I believe is happening in January. Mm -hmm. Could you tell us about that training program? Like what, what, what is Love Three specifically? And perhaps if, if, it's, if it's open to the public, how would they go about uh, signing up for yeah. that interactive program? Yeah, so Love 3 is what we've um, titled our Justice for All training now. Um, and so it is anyone can come. We have some new seminars um, that are coming up on, they start January 18th, and there's going to be six different options and times for people to come. It's all on Zoom, and it's all free, so anyone can come. Um, if you go to uh, jfaweb.org slash love three you can see all of the dates and times for that and you can sign up for it um and what it'll be is we have options where you can attend the training like all day you can get it in one week or you can get it over a period of seven weeks and it'll just be the entire jfa training seminar will will um We'll teach you how to use the three essential skills. We'll go over uh, the one central question, the biology equal rights, um, how to um, answer bodily rights arguments, the question of rape. And then we have a um, session at the end where we just have Q&A and we talk about um, back alley abortions and just some of the other harder questions that come up. I'm not sure I, I caught the whole thing, but who are the three again that we're talking about loving? There's the unborn child, the person that you're talking to, and the pregnant woman. Is that the three that we're talking about here? 
Okay. Yeah, so it's loving all three is the idea of really um, caring for the person that, that you're having the conversation with right now. Mm-hmm. And then also caring about the woman who is pregnant and who is experiencing that unplanned pregnancy. And then also loving the unborn child. Changing topics just a little bit. How do we have good conversations about abortion? There is, uh, well, you and I were talking about this the other day, is the importance of both body language and our tone. And that's something that many people don't even think about. What does that look like in a conversation? So I think having good conversations about this issue is also coming to it with an attitude of humility and understanding and um, recognizing that Like I've been wrong about things in the past too. And so when I am talking to someone who is pro-choice, like, yes, I I think that they are wrong on this issue, but I know I've been wrong about a lot of things in the past too. And so this puts us in the same boat. I think we're both trying to get more true beliefs and fewer false ones. And so when we approach it with that attitude, it's like we're standing side by side, someone else, shoulder to shoulder, looking at a problem together, as opposed to coming at it as like, you know, you're just fighting it out with your dukes in the air and your fast guns pointed at each other's faces. Like, that's just not helpful. So say when I'm sorry. Oh, I said I was just saying, say when. Yeah, yeah, but just approaching it like, you know, like I I see you as a partner in truth. Like I recognize this as a hard thing to talk about, and I want to help us get to the the right answer together. And I think that as you were also pointing out, like your tone is super important and like the way that you ask questions and your body language and all of that because like you can ask someone a question and it can come off as very um very abrasive or it can come off as you're just like really interested in caring for the other person so you know you can ask someone you know so nathan what do you think about a abortion or I could ask you like hey Nathan like well what are your thoughts on abortion I I love to hear them I'm trying to understand where you're coming from like that is two very different ways to ask that question so being aware of that and then your body language too like I try I have to always remind myself to not cross my arms because I know that that's an aggressive (laughs) posture but I just, I cross my arms sometimes because I'm cold, not because I'm mad, but I still have to think, don't do that. So just trying to have a relaxed um, posture, like as much as you can, because that is going to make the other person feel more comfortable if you come off as someone who's just um, relaxed and cares about them and is really asking a lot of questions. And it's it's just going to help set the tone to be um, way more comfortable because people going into conversations again, I think they have this expectation that it's not going to be good, that you're going to attack them, that you're going to, that maybe you'll call them names and all of that. So anything that you can do to kind of help them see that you're not going to respond in that way is going to be really helpful. I remember doing a pro-life outreach where Josh Brom was there and he actually, uh, he actually told me that I should go grab a coffee because if you're holding a coffee, it looks you know a lot more relaxed. Like you're just there kind of hanging out and, you know, so body language wise, it can actually go a long way toward, uh, toward the person you're talking with being relaxed. If you're just kind of there hanging out, drinking a coffee. So. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a coffee drinker. I'm a tea drinker. So, uh, so that's a big deal for me to grab a coffee and, and yeah, drink it for a, so I can have either yeah. one and just holding that cup and yeah, standing there. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. The tone and body language is also, at least from what I've noticed when uh, I've been talking with people, is it's also very important in helping de-escalate a tense conversation when the emotions start running really high. 
is just simply taking a neutral posture or and having a very slow and respectful tone is often a very good way to bring the tension back down and start having an actual dialogue with the person. Yeah. JFA also emphasizes balancing the communicating communicating truth while still loving the person in front of you. What does that look like? So that comes from, I think, recognizing that the abortion issue um, psychologically and emotionally is very complicated. Now, I think morally, it's a very simple issue, but because it is complicated emotionally and psychologically, I think that it can cloud the clear morality of that issue for a lot of people. And when we recognize that so many people have experienced abortion, they've either had one them themselves or they've paid for one or they drove someone to the clinic or they know someone who has had this um, or has gone through that. I think it it has this effect on people's minds where it's very personal. I think to some extent, this issue is personal for all of us. And so I think when we talk about that, being sensitive to the pain of others is really important because I think pain and suffering, they influence the way that we view um, issues, how we see other people, how we react and how we respond to them. And so it's been helpful to uh, for me in conversations to always have that in the back of my mind because even when you are um, using the three essential skills, um, people can still get really angry and mad at you and it, it can still be a really difficult conversation to have but I'm able to recognize like that's because we're talking about something that's really hard and so that allows me to kind of stay calm and relax so I can help this person work through all of these things that are going through their mind because I brought up this really um, hard topic. So I think just being aware that there are a lot of painful experiences and things in people's past that um, influence the way that they see this issue. And so I think it's so important to really um, take time to listen to the other person, um, listen to their, their story and what has happened so that we don't um, end up talking past their pain and end up hurting them more. And this becomes very crucial when the hard questions, like what about a woman who's pregnant from a rape, when that question comes up, this is where it becomes incredibly crucial. And how should we go about discussing that one? Yeah, um, I think that's one of the hardest questions that gets asked. And it's, I think, one of the most common ones, too. I would say pretty much every conversation that I have about this issue, the question of rape comes up. And I think it's really important to begin answering that by, again, like being sensitive to the pain of others. And something that Steve Wagner taught me um, is that when people ask you if abortion should be illegal, even in the case of rape, they're asking you that question, but there's also like another question underneath that question. And they're also asking you, like, do you care about women who have been raped and who have become pregnant because of it? And there are so many people that have gone through um, a sexual assault like that and have become pregnant. So it makes it so important that like we need to be careful with how we answer this. And in every conversation that we have, there's this intellectual side, and then there's the, um, it's a more um, like relational side of answering the question. And both are important, but when the question of rape gets brought up, that relational component 
is so important. And so we want to begin by acknowledging the evil of rape and how no one should ever have to experience that. And so we want to take as much as much time as you can to show the person that you actually care about them, about the person who has gone through that traumatic experience. And then once you've taken time to really do that, then you can answer the, the question. And I think um, no matter how we answer this, though, I often tell people, like, I think the answer to this question is challenging no matter how you come at it. Because the answer that I think is correct, it doesn't make me feel good. <laughs> like, this whole thing is just an unjust, really awful situation. And I want to care um, as best as I can for the woman. And now we have another human being involved too. And the unborn child didn't do anything wrong. The only person that should be punished is the, the rapist. So I like to communicate, like, I understand, like, I don't think there is any easy answer, but there is a correct answer. And I think our answer to difficult questions shouldn't give someone else the liberty to kill another innocent human being. So that's how I would answer the, the question. of When it comes to stepping out and engaging in conversations, what if you just don't feel ready or qualified to do so? <laughs> um, okay, when I first started talking about this issue, I had no training and no experience whatsoever. Like I had just read Scott's book, which was so helpful, but like actually having conversations is completely different. So I would say even if you don't feel qualified or ready, like sometimes I don't feel qualified or ready either. I think it's just really important to um, step out and have conversations anyway and do what you can to be as educated and um, as informed as you can. And you can do that by um, reading pro-life books, read pro-choice books too to get the other side, um, come to JFA training seminars that are free and online. Um, and just I think it's also important to recognize that when you step out and you have these conversations that you are going to mess up sometimes and it's okay. I have had a lot of bad conversations. I've made a lot of mistakes on, um, on my part and I've been able to approach that by just learning from the mistakes that I've made so that I can do better the next time. Um, and I also want to say it's easy when you don't feel qualified or ready to talk about this to also feel very nervous and anxious about talking about this issue to people. And that is totally normal. Like, I think if you didn't feel nervous or anxious at all, that that would be kind of weird. So um, I just encourage you, <laughs> if you feel nervous, it's okay. I would just go ahead and step out, have those conversations and, you can reach out um, to me um, and let me know how they go. I love to help you with them. The JFA staff would love to connect with you and help you have better conversations about abortion. And I would say that it is a good sign when people are nervous. I mean, I still get nervous. And I mean, you and I have been doing this for about five years now. Yeah. Uh, I still get nervous. And I think it is good for us to get nervous because it shows we do care. We want to make sure that we do things the right way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How often does the person you're talking to change their mind right away on the spot? Oh, it's very, very rare. Not often at all. So I've been talking to people about this, like you just said, for about five years. And I've had two people change their mind. Um, so, do, I mean... Being involved in this issue also changes the way that you that you feel um, success. Because if your success was measured just by how many people changed their mind on the spot, I would have quit a long time ago. 
like your your job is not to change people's minds and to make them pro-life like you can't do that your job is to just faithfully communicate the truth in a way that is compassionate and loving and caring for the other person and god will change their hearts if he wants to um another thing i was just thinking about is like why why people don't change their mind on the spot so often is like if someone came to you right now with very compelling evidence against something that you have thought to be true your whole life, are you going to just immediately abandon that view in front of people? Like, no. Like, you would likely respond with the best answers that you knew in that moment. And then maybe when you're alone and you're able to reflect on the things that were said, then maybe you might adjust your your um, point of view. Hmm. And it's the same thing for the person that we're talking to. We shouldn't expect them to just immediately change their mind on the spot. We're having them process a lot of things. And this is a really challenging issue for a lot of people. And they're not just going to be like, oh, I'm pro-life now. So definitely don't have that expectation when you start to talk to people about this issue. So if, if uh, the person they're talking to doesn't immediately change their mind, or even if it doesn't really seem like you're getting through to that person, you shouldn't feel like you failed in the conversation, correct? Absolutely not. Yeah, it's not a failure at all. I think the fact that you even had a conversation at all is a huge deal. Like just stepping out, having that conversation, that is winning right there. Like you you need to step out and have that conversation the actual winning, so to speak, is not having them change Has- their mind. Hashtag winning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, I think a better word. I, that was the only thing I could come up with. <laughs> it makes sense, though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think uh, I think it was Greg Kokel in his book Tactics, which of course the JFA program is heavily influenced by as well. Yeah. Uh, I think he wrote in Tactics or said in a presentation somewhere that it, when you're talking with a pro-choice person, you're not going to change their mind on the spot, except in very very rare instances. It's not going to be the conversation you have right there. It's going to be two weeks down the line when they're sitting in their car in the Wendy's drive-through, yeah. reflecting on what it was that you said to them that they might, if not change their mind completely be swayed closer to your point of view if they're really reflecting on it. So, If someone does change their mind in front of you, that's because so many other people have done a lot of work before you, a lot of other converse, uh, conversations that led them to that point too. I just was thinking about that. Yeah, yeah Greg Kokel uses the illustration. He says that there are two types of people. There are gardeners and harvesters. You have the gardeners... Mm-hmm. Rebecca, like you just said, who all along the way have helped influence that person. They uh, might have just been a pro-life person who actually wasn't a jerk to them. They were very yeah. nice and very respectful to them. You have people, friends and family who've influenced them. And then eventually it can get to the point where they meet a harvester who helps, who actually does lead them to changing their mind. I heard Scott say this one time on a broadcast. He said, we don't have to seal the deal. Once we realize that, the pressure's off. I don't have to win this engagement right now and right here. I don't have to seal the deal. All I have to do, or to use the illustration from baseball, I don't have to swing for home runs. I sometimes just have to get on first base and somebody yes. else can make it into home. Yes. Yep, totally agree with that. Can you tell us about a memorable conversation that you've had with a pro-choice person at an outreach? And I'm sorry to put you on the spot. <laughs> so, no, it's okay. I'm just thinking of the a memorable conversation. There's been quite a few. Um, the first one that sticks out of my mind is this was actually before I started working with Justice for All. I was at um, Miracosta, and I was doing this event. I think you know where I'm going with this. There I was, was there. a group of protesters who were on the other side of this grass field. And that campus, the outreach setup is so interesting because like on one side, we have 
the pro-life display and then there's this like walkway right in the middle and then the protesters on the other side and there's people from the school who stand out there all day to tell you that you can't stand in the walkway so it's just clear like divide like literal dividing line between like pro-life and pro-choice and so I remember looking at the protesters and there was this one guy that had the sign that I think it said a fetus is not a person. And so I remember being like, I want to go over and, and talk to him about that. So I garnered up all the courage that I had at the moment. I was so scared that I really wanted to talk to him. So I walked over and I just asked him what his sign meant. And he had no idea. Like he couldn't even communicate what it meant. And when I walked, yeah. And when I had walked over to the other side, like all of the pro-choice people, or at least a lot of them, saw that I think someone from the other side had like come over. And so I remember I was talking to to this guy, but then like another girl started talking to me, and I was like standing up on this little. Um, veg surrounded <laughs> like yeah. pro-choice people and everyone's like you know throwing these questions at me and I'm trying to answer them and and then towards the end this one girl she brought up the question of rape and I answered that and then like somebody else asked another question and we kept talking and then I remember stepping off of the veg and the, the girl that asked about abortion in the case of rape came up and hugged me. Mm. And I remember being so surprised by that, that she did that, but like encouraged knowing that I think I, I think I answered it pretty well. If the person who asked that hard question is going to come up and give you a hug, like it just kind right. of, it was encouraging and also like I also I it gave me the mindset like even if you are so scared to go over and talk to a group of pro-choice people with signs oftentimes when you go over there and you actually just engage them in a way that is kind like they'll have a good dialogue with you it, it doesn't happen all the time but sometimes it does how often do protesters show up at the JFA outreaches? Um, I would say pretty often. Um, they're not at every single event, but when I was in, I was in Texas three times earlier this year, and we had protesters at UT Dallas, at Trinity University, and at UTSA. So uh, actually at all three of them. So I would say... It's it's pretty common and often to have them, but not at every outreach. And so what would you say to someone who might be considering going to a, a JFA seminar and outreach, but might be a little intimidated or at least a little nervous about the protesters? How would you encourage that person to still go and check out the, the seminar and the outreach despite the protesters? So I would encourage you by saying um, you don't have to engage with the protesters, if that makes you uncomfortable at all. Um, even if you want to just come to a JFA training seminar and then just come to the outreach and just watch too, you don't actually have to engage in conversations if you're not comfortable with that yet. Um, I know um, having protesters there can make the atmosphere a little more um, tends depending on, you know, how loud they are and the stuff that they're yelling and all of the signs. And sometimes, though, the protesters are actually very calm and they just are peacefully holding signs and you can engage with, with them. So hmm. I sympathize with that um, kind of adding a little bit in, of anxiety to going. Um, but I love having protesters there. I mean, I'm out there to have conversations and if you do not agree with me, that is okay. Like I 100% support their right to come out and do that. So, um, I would just encourage you to still come out. And if you don't want to talk to the protesters, that is totally fine. Yeah. I remember one, I, I don't remember if it was a JFA outreach or no, it was a JFA out, outreach. I remember with that one of the protesters was actually there dressed up as Captain America. Uh, 
and, and the, whole, the whole time I'm, I'm over it i'm over in front of our you know the, the big uh, jfi banners i'm thinking you know of all the avengers captain america would be the one most likely to be pro-life <laughs> so yeah. yeah the one thing i have noticed also is when the protesters are out there and they're very loud and they're very angry it actually makes it easier to have conversations with other people because passerby they usually don't want to get involved in controversy but then they see people that are out loud, being very vulgar and screaming. Then they come over to the pro-life side and they say, I want to see why these people are so angry. Yeah. And then they actually get drawn in when they see how respectful we are. And like we said earlier, the body language of tone goes a long way. And I've had, I've actually had protesters uh, reconsider their own position because they go, my fellow protesters are being jerked about this, but you were actually very nice to me and you talked to me as another human being. I think I'd rather be on your side. Yeah. Yeah, that can definitely be the the case. Um, so protesters can definitely be um, rowdy sometimes. Um, but even when they are, I, I try to always remember, too, that because this issue personally affects a lot of people, maybe they've had one, and maybe just bringing this issue up is just bringing up a lot of pain right. for them and so that that's going to come out as being mad at you and they might say mean things to you but they're really um just going through a lot there's a lot on their mind and so anything that we can do to to just be kind to them and show them that we don't hate them like i don't right. i don't hate pro-choice people i don't hate you if you've had an abortion like i really care about you and i want to just have a conversation about it. So having that mindset too is helpful because um, the protesters can be intense sometimes, but recognizing what's going on, you know, behind that can help you have a more compassionate mindset toward them. I know we're coming to, uh, towards the end of our time. Where, how can people get involved with Justice for All? We mentioned the training opportunities earlier. If people want to come out to a Justice for All outreach, how could they go about doing that? So if you go to jfaweb.org, um, you can go to a tab. Um, so we have a getting involved tab. Um, you click on the go deeper and then we have mission trips and internships. So you can go ahead and click on those. And I believe you're going to fill out a form there. And then one of the staff members will get in touch with you about that. Okay. Great. And I've put the URL to the JFA website in the uh, information section below the video too. So, okay. uh, so if you, if you missed it, you can, or if you're if you just want to be lazy and don't want to put it in your, the tab up top, you can just click right there uh, to get taken to the JFA website. Awesome. Well, just to start wrapping things up, how can people get a, get in touch with you if they want to reach out to you or follow your work or uh, support your work? I know you are fundraising right now for your work with Justice for All. I am, yeah. So if you want to support my work with Justice for All, you can go again to their website and you click the Donate tab. And then in the drop-down menu, um, you can select my name. And then to get in touch with me, um, the best place would be to go to my Instagram account. So that's um, knowing underscore greater underscore love. Um, and I think if you're able to put that in the underscore two, that might be kind of hard to remember. But knowing underscore greater love, you can um, follow me there or connect with me via message too. And I, I'd love to get back to you. And don't you also have a website by the same name? Oh, I do. Yes. Um, Knowinggreaterlove.com. So that's where I have all of my writing. So all of my articles that I've published with Human Defense Initiative and um, nearly human industries are all on there. So you can read all of the articles that I've written there as well. Okay. And then we can make that available in the show notes on the podcast page and also on the YouTube. Great. All right. I think we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Yeah. Uh, uh, through, through the magic of the edit tool, I have already inserted your, your webpage into the information below. So awesome. uh, thank you. So it should it should appear there the next time someone clicks or reloads the page. So cool. Okay. Well, thank you. Clinton so is the reason. Clinton is the reason why we're one of the most popular podcasts in the Philippines right now. 
<laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, got got an email that we're that we're number I think it was number seven in uh, a news podcast in the Philippines. So that's awesome. Cool. <laughs> yeah. And so once again, if uh, any of our listeners, uh, yeah, we're, we're still, you know, we're still working on trying to build up an audience here on YouTube, but, uh, but our, our audio podcast uh, gets, uh, you know, fairly, fairly significant number of, of listeners each, each time. So, um, so even if we don't get a, you know, a lot of, we have had a few, uh, a few people tuning in for this broadcast that I've, I've seen on the uh, indicator, but we do have, uh, you know, on average, a couple hundred at the low end, uh, listening to our audio podcast any given uh, week in uh, so, yeah, so rest assured uh, on our audio only podcast, even though we're still trying to build up an audience here on YouTube, we do get, you know, listeners on the audio podcast as well. Um, yeah. So once again, if any of our listeners are interested in signing up for the Love 3 interactive seminar, how would they go about doing that? So go to jfaweb.org slash love three. And there um, we have the calendar of all of the um different options that we have. I believe we have six, um, it's six or eight different options for either, you know, you can attend once a, a week or you can do it all in um, one day or you can get all of the training in one week. So whatever works with your schedule, um, jfaweb.org slash love free and you can go ahead and sign up there. Great. Well, Rebecca, thank you again for coming on and letting us know about JFA. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And if you uh, sit tight, we can uh, say our official goodbyes uh, after we end the broadcast here in a few minutes. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. So if you found the information here that we've been talking about beneficial and, and, you know, we, we think the information is important, especially because we want to make sure that our arguments are good. We want to make sure that we're taking the correct position, but at least equally as important is we want to be persuasive. And the way that you be persuasive is by learning how to dialogue with people in the way that Rebecca has come on to share about today. You know, so we think that the information here is is important and will benefit a lot of people. So uh, please uh, share and share us around in social media, Facebook, Twitter, uh, wherever you frequent. We're also, we've also got a page on MeWe and we're working on getting one set up for Parler also. We're not going to leave Facebook and Twitter, but uh, we want to cover all our bases because we know that some people use MeWe and Parler exclusively now. So we want to have as many options to uh, get to know our podcast as possible. And please do rate and review us. We have our audio-only podcast on iTunes and also on blogtalkradio.com slash thinking. We've had uh, some pro-choice vote bombers in the past. And so if you like this podcast and like the information, please do go on and, and rate us and, and leave a leave a review. You know, we wouldn't ask you to say anything you don't actually believe. But if you if you appreciate the content here, then please do leave a review to counteract these uh, reviews by pro-choice people who have clearly not actually listened to the podcast. <laughs> And once again, uh, you know, Rebecca works for JFA, and that's definitely a very worthy cause. So by all means, if you would uh, if you would consider financially supporting her, you can go to the website. Uh, but also, if you'd consider financially supporting the podcast here, Greg Cunningham of, uh, Bio, of Center for Bioethical Reform says, there are more people working full-time to kill unborn babies than there are people working full-time to save them. So by donating to this podcast, you're not only helping to support my pro-life work because I do work for Life Training Institute and I am, and I subsist off of financial support as well, but you're also helping to support this podcast. And whereas I do travel around to do presentations and things like that, I, I can't be in a hundred places at once. But if you're supporting this podcast, we can be in a hundred places at once. So, so your financial support would mean a, a great deal to us, but it, it'll also mean a great deal to the cause for life because you'll help get the information that we present here out to a lot of people. So once again, this is our last broadcast of the year, but the podcast here will resume sometime in mid-January. And so once again, we'd like to thank you for joining us here. And thank you again, Nathan and Rebecca, for joining me. And we will see you.
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.